God for each and every one of you tonight. We thank God for that dynamic prayer. Uh, we do believe that God hears our prayers, and uh, we have had more than a few miracles as a result of you faithfully praying as a family on Monday night. So we bless God. We honor God. We are still looking to him because we believe that he is a miracle worker. We we believe that he is able to heal the sick, to give hearing to the deaf, to give sight to the blind, to, to unstop mute tongues, that he's able to restore life even when we thought that life was over. So and we bless God for each and every one of you tonight who come each and every Monday night uh, to pray and to look unto Jesus as we study his word. Um, we're, we're lifting up Sister Selena and Brother Mark and uh, all of those that were named in the prayer request tonight. And we're believing God for miracles in Jesus' name. Well, family, my name is Pastor Thomas Rich of the River of Life Christian Center in Upper Marlboro, Maryland. Uh, once again, we greet you in the love and the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for a Monday night Bible study. Um, as you know, we've been teaching from the names of Jesus, and we're going to continue that teaching tonight because I have discovered that uh, the name of Jesus is a name that is above all names. And the more we understand and the more we know him, the more intimate we become with him, the greater our lives will be to the glory and honor of God. So we're going to continue teaching on the names of Jesus. Um, we have previously learned in other teachings that the names of Jesus have a biblical tradition as well as a Christian tradition, and that a person's name is very sacred and holy thing. It was to people in biblical days. It should be to us even today, and, and that's why we are continuing to teach on that name. Family, as I've mentioned to you previously, every name, not just the name of the Lord God, but of course, uh, that name and the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is a name that is above every name. But I also, and I know we taught this a number of weeks ago, your name is important. Uh, every now and then I encounter someone with a, a unique name and I might ask them, well, what does your name mean? And believe it or not, probably nine times out of ten, They'll tell me who named them or uh, that the grandparents suggested the name or somebody else suggested the name, but they have no idea of what their name means. But what we've been learning is that names are important, and, and many times we end up living our, out our names even if we didn't know the name. And so <clears throat> that's why we're going to continue to learn about the names of Jesus. In fact, the Apostle Paul said in his letter to the Philippians, he said that the name of Jesus is a name that is above every other name, and that at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
uh, in the Amplified, Philippians 2 and 10 says that in the name of Jesus, and, and most of you know, I think we've talked about the Greek uh, interpretation there where it says in the name. In the Greek, it actually means at the name. When you hear that name, it means that every knee, not just should bow, but it means that every knee must bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. But I like the way the Message Bible describes that same verse. Listen to this, and then we'll get into our lesson. Uh, Philippians 2.10 in the Message Bible says, So that all created beings in heaven and on earth, even those long ago dead and buried, will bow and worship before the Lord Jesus Christ. That That's what this name does. When we know who Jesus is, when we capture in our heart and the spirit, our spirit what God intended for us when he sent his only begotten son, we discover that we cannot help but bow and worship before him. And so that's the name that we're going to be uh, looking at. We're, we're learning more about the names of Jesus. Last week, when we closed out, we had talked about Revelation 1 and verse 4. And I broke down to you who the seven churches were. And at the end of that verse, he talked about the seven spirits. And so we talked about the seven spirits last week from Revelation 1 and 4. I'm not going to teach them again tonight, but I will say to you that it is available on the podcast. And if you're listening in tonight and you didn't hear that teaching last week or you didn't get it in your notes, jump, jump over to the podcast on Spotify or Anchor and listen to last week's lesson and you'll pick up what we shared on verse 4. But tonight, we're going to jump into Revelation 1 and 5. Uh, in that verse, there are three very strategic and highly important names for identifying the characteristics of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to look at that verse. In that verse, it reads like this. It says, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness. Let me say that again. Who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Man, that is powerful right there because it lets us know that he loved us so much that he shed his blood on Calvary's cross so that we could be washed from the stain of our sin. And, and that's wonderful when we stop and consider that he didn't have to do it, but he did it because he loved us so much. But the three names that we're going to extract from verse 5 tonight, number one, the faithful witness, number two, the first begotten of the dead, and the third name that comes out of verse 5 of Revelation 1, the prince of the kings of the earth. Every one of those names are references to the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's examine this, if you would, 
and, and see why he has given him those names uh, through John, as John wrote Revelation 1 and verse 5. We were told by John that Jesus is the faithful witness. That's the first thing that he said. And this speaks to the fact that Jesus' family is entirely reliable. I, I don't know about y'all. I, I, I had a dad who had some human feelings, but he was a good man overall. And when my dad said that he was going to try to do something, I know that he meant that he was going to try to do it. Did he always get it accomplished? No. But I believe his heart was always there. And I, as my wife and I raised our three sons, there were times when we had every good intention to accomplish everything that we promised them that we would, that we would do. For our grandchildren, the same thing. But I, I must confess to you that my sons and our grandchildren will tell you that, like I said about my dad, I, I be, they believe that our intention was good, but we were not always reliable. There were some occasions when we just did not have the ability to complete it. There were some other occasions where things happened that interfered. I must also confess there were times when I have stated not just to my children and grandchildren, but to my wife and to you. And I had every good intention, but it did not get accomplished. Yet when John was giving us this description of Jesus, he called him the faithful witness. And what he meant was that Jesus was entirely reliable. Whatever he said he would do, he's good for it. He's dependable for it. You can trust him for it. And so of his faithfulness, uh, when we said he's reliable, he's reliable in his faithfulness to his father because God sent him with a mission and an assignment knowing that Jesus would be good for the commitment. But he was also faithful to you and me, his people. And he was so faithful that, and I believe I shared this with you, if it wasn't last Monday, I shared it in uh, a sermon a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and I said to you that this faithful witness, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he looked in the cup and saw what was about to be his journey, that he was about to endure incredible suffering. And he looked in and the human side of him said, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. But Jesus was so faithful and so reliable that he could not let the human part of him interfere with the purpose and the call for his life. And so the reliable part, the faithful part of him transformed that uh, prayer from saying, let this cup pass from me to simply saying, nevertheless, I see what it is. I wish I didn't have to face it, but I came for such a time as this. So nevertheless, not my will, but thine will be done. I'm talking to you tonight, family, about the faithful witness. Uh, even unto death, he was faithful. Uh, in fact, if we were to study that in the Greek, 
the word witness, excuse me, in the Greek translates to our word martyr. Uh, a martyr is someone who is killed for their belief, who is not willing to turn back. Uh, they have taken a stand and they have acknowledged what they trust and who they believe in or what they believe in. And they have made a determination that my faith, my belief in this is so strong that I'm willing to endure whatever I must endure. Many times what that results in is death. And that's why we call that person a martyr. So in the Greek, when we talk about the witness, it translates into our language from not just being a witness only, but also being a martyr. We're talking about Jesus, y'all, as the faithful witness who also became a martyr because they hung him on that cross to die for you and me. Listen, the men and women of this generation have all heard the name Jesus. I, I doubt if there's anybody that uh, you and I will encounter that have never heard that name Jesus. But, but probably the most basic and fundamental question that I have encountered with people when I've talked to them about Jesus and they were struggling with whether they wanted to believe in him or not or turn their life over to him. Many times it came down to the simple question that everybody wants to know, and that is, can I trust him? Can I depend upon him? Uh, what will happen if I'm in a crisis? When, when mama said she would be with me, but when certain things happened, she couldn't be there. Daddy made some promises, but when certain things happened, he was unable to be there. Most of us uh, judge God and his son, Jesus Christ, by our human relationships. And certainly we have all been failed by human, other human beings. But uh, in this text, John the Revelator wrote that he is the faithful witness. In other words, y'all, I'm telling you that Jesus can be trusted. He is entirely dependable. Let me, let me give you another example. We're living in a world right now uh, you can turn on all kinds of religious programming. Many times, it's good stuff. It's honest stuff. There's a lot of religious integrity connected to it. But all of us have also encountered some religious charlatans. And what do I mean by that? I'm talking about religious frauds, people who can talk the talk, but the, the reality of their faith is not there. They can teach you and they can give you the word, but they are religious frauds. They, they, they uh, uh, don't really believe in it, but they're going to gain everything they can by trying to teach it and preach it and make you think that they've got this gift and that gift. And they are simply religious charlatans. But I'm here to tell you today that when John the Revelator was talking about Jesus Christ, when I talked about Paul earlier, referring to Jesus Christ and saying, at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow and every tongue confess, they were telling you that we're talking about the one who is entirely trustworthy. 
He can be counted upon. He can be depended upon. And especially as we consider the names in verse 5, John said he is the faithful witness. Let me just break that down a little bit more and we'll go on to the next name. Witness. Witness tells what he or she has seen or heard. Uh, A faithful witness is one whose testimony is reliable under every test that you put it to. It will pass that test. No matter what situation it it comes in, it will pass that test. Uh, I, I, I have heard police, one of my brothers is a retired homicide detective. And, and one of the things that my brother told me, and uh, I remember we used to hear this as kids, uh, you have to be careful about believing your lying eyes. And, and, and I used to didn't understand that because most of the time, uh, if we see something, we want to believe what we see. But what my brother told me and, and what I've learned uh, through uh, legal friends, lawyers, and other police officers is many times you can think that you have witnessed something, but what you think you saw with your eyes is often influenced by what what might be happening in your mind, in your heart at the time, other experiences that's going on around you at the time. And so you are convinced of what you think you saw, but when they put you on the witness stand in the courtroom and they're calling you a witness and you're trying to describe what you think you have witnessed and by the time you have been cross-examined, now you're sitting there yourself wondering if, man, did I really see it the way that I just described it or did I see something else? In other words, y'all, uh, witnesses are expected to be dependable, but they're not. But they're not always reliable. Yet, John the Revelator told us that when we talk about the Lord Jesus Christ, He is faithful. Everything that He testifies to can be counted on. You can take it to any court. You can put Him under the the best. Uh, uh, a prosecuting attorney or defense attorney you want to put him under. But when Jesus witnesses and testifies to something, his testimony is reliable under any and every test or circumstance. So John is making it clear to us that Jesus Christ can be relied upon to tell the truth. So I might witness of Jesus to somebody and they might Uh, based on their experience of being failed by human beings, not want to trust Jesus. But if there is anybody that you can trust, if there is anybody that you can depend upon, it is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why John said one of his names is the faithful witness. He's telling us that when Jesus speaks, he speaks only the truth. And I want you to remember that uh, I'm, I'm going into this detail about it because we're answering the question, can I trust him? And I'm telling you tonight that not only can you trust him, but he is entirely trustworthy. 
in Revelation 1.5, we're being told that he is absolutely trustworthy, truthful, and he is also authoritative. The, the cross-examiner on the bench can prove that we're not as authoritative as we think we are, but not Jesus. Put him on the bench if you want to. He's going to prove to be authoritative. They put uh, uh, expert witnesses on the bench, and you saw what happened with the expert witness uh, in, in, in uh, the Chauvin trial a few weeks ago. Now they're challenging every case that this uh, former medical examiner ever used because they're saying after he testified on behalf of Chauvin that his testimony was so uh, impeachable that now they, that he, for many years he was chief medical examiner here in Maryland and they're about to go back and uh, re-examine all of his cases. Well, that's not the case with Jesus, y'all. If you don't believe me, listen to what Paul told Timothy in 613 of 1 Timothy. He said, Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made a good confession. Well, y'all, in 1 Timothy 6.13, Paul is charging Timothy that as a minister of the gospel of Christ Jesus, that Timothy had the same obligation to duplicate the faith, the courage, and the integrity that Christ had when he stood before Pontius Pilate. The text tells us in 1 Timothy 6.13 that when Christ stood before Pontius Pilate with his life on the line, that Jesus maintained his integrity. I don't know if you might. I don't know if I might. Uh, sometime uh, we've seen many folk who, when they put them down in the examination room and the, and the police officers and the detectives, get to questioning them. And they say, we have this on you and we have that on you. But if you confess, maybe we'll give you a deal. And you're not guilty of anything, but they got you to confess because they convinced you that uh, they got enough on you to put you in jail for life or even give you a, 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 a take your life in jail. And so you confess to something that you're not even guilty of. Not so. Paul was saying to Timothy, uh, in the book of First Timothy 6.13, Jesus, even though his life was on the line and standing before Pontius Pilate, Jesus, instead of giving a convenient answer, he witnessed a good confession. Watch this. Christ did, died not only as a sacrifice, but I used the word martyr earlier because he would not change his testimony. Uh, he said, thou hast said, when he asked if he was uh, the, the Christ, he said, thou hast said. Why? Because he knew that he was the Christ. He witnessed family a good confession because even though he knew the potential, death was on the way. He would not turn back from what was true. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. This is what he said in John 18. Uh, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. I am come to bear witness unto the truth. Family, that is a good confession. That's the good confession that Jesus made before Pilate. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. Uh, and, and so 
he would not back down from the truth. That's what we're called to as believers. As ministers of the gospel, we've got to tell the truth. As born-again believers, we've got to tell the truth. And when we tell the truth, uh, that truth is rooted in our love for Christ, who's, who has another name, and that name is also truth. Truth is one name of Jesus, y'all. Listen, 1 Timothy 6.12, I'm going to read this to you from the Amplified. I'm still demonstrating to you that he's the faithful witness. In 1 Timothy 6 and 12, Paul told Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. And then he said, lay hold of the eternal life to which you were summoned and for which you confessed the good confession of faith before many witnesses. Family, in verse 12 of, of 1 Timothy 6, Paul is reminding Timothy that he has professed a good profession before many witnesses. What is he talking about, y'all? Well, this was, uh, he, he was reminding Timothy that when he was ordained in the ministry, that the presbytery ordained him and laid hands on him, and that when they laid hands upon him, that he was going to be held accountable for everything he did in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he was further reminding Timothy that the obligation of that profession of faith that he made would never leave him. He would always be obligated. The once they had ordained him to, to tell the truth, he was obligated to live up to that profession. And he, he told him, he said, you are called to be quickened by that profession. Well, many of you know what I mean when I use the word profession. I mean quickened uh, by his profession. But for those who may be unfamiliar with it, the word quicken uh, in the New Testament means revive or refresh or to increase life. In the King James, it was a, it was a reference to the resurrection from the dead. In the New American Standard Revised Version of the Bible, quicken typically referred to being, being given spiritual life. And what Paul was saying to Timothy is, uh, you have been quickened by your profession of faith. You got to tell the truth no matter what. It could cost you, Timothy, but you're now ordained and called to tell the truth. Well, who could stand up to that kind of challenge? All of us want to, but it is Jesus who is the total definition of the faithful one, the one who is able to tell the truth as the faithful witness. So we're talking about a good confession that Jesus made as he stood before Pilate and that Paul was challenging Timothy to, to maintain because he was ordained to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But my point with this tonight is to help you to understand that one of the names of Jesus as we look at Revelation 1 and 5 is that he is the faithful witness. In other words, y'all, Jesus is entirely trustworthy. If you call him the faithful witness, then that means that we have learned uh, or what we have learned is that his testimony is reliable, 
under each and every test or situation. I, I'm, I'm almost at the end of my time, so I'm not going to get to the other two names tonight. Let me just close out with the faithful witness. Listen to what John, what Jesus said as John wrote it uh, in the Gospel of John, chapter 18, verse 37. He said, I came into the world to testify of the truth. Everyone on this side of truth listens to me. Jesus was saying this to Pilate again, y'all. He said, I came into the world to testify of the truth. If you are on the side of truth, that means you listen to me. Listen, Jesus can make this statement because he is the supreme truth teller. Uh, John the Revelator simply said what? He is the faithful witness. And those who want to find the truth must listen to the faithful witness. What's uh, the name that we know the faithful witness by? It is Jesus Christ, our Lord. But one of the names for Jesus is the faithful witness. May God bless you and heaven smile on you. I've run out of time. So in, uh, I believe I still got another couple of weeks. So in the weeks to come, we'll talk about the first begotten of the dead, which is one of his names. And uh, we'll, we'll go on down and we'll, um, we'll talk about what that really means. Then we'll talk about prince of the kings of this world. All of those are names of Jesus found in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5. How many folk know that Jesus Christ is the faithful witness? Amen. We're going to cut it off right there. We're going to give you an opportunity to give us some feedback on what you have learned tonight about Jesus Christ as the faithful witness. Who would like to get us started? 